You're listening to The Tuesday Club with Sean and Kyle. Hello, welcome to another edition of the Tuesday Club podcast with me, Sean Holly, and the one and only Kyle Reese. And Kyle, we're into season two, episode two, kicked off last week with episode one of season two in great style with Colin McFarlane. He was great, wasn't he? Yeah, it was brilliant. Colin, he loves a chat, and uh, I think I come across uh, well, like everybody was <laughs> giving us the feedback saying it was one of their favourite episodes. And we've had uh, we've had Katrina Bath and Sammy one on from Outlander as well. So, you know, he's a great guy and, you know, he's he's been around the block a bit as well. So he's got a lot of stories to tell. Had lots and lots uh, to talk to us about. And uh, he's rocketed us. And this is uh, quite an apt uh, show for us because he's rocketed us up to number one in the US podcast charts for rugby. So I'm like... <laughs> Get in there. We're number one in something, Kylo. That is, we're number one in something, but there's not that many rugby podcasts in America, mate. So. I'm on. Let's say that. <laughs> and, and that's why this week we've got a very, very special guest. He's the best place to, to come off the back of the number one podcast in US rugby. <laughs> Uh, that's Reese Edwards, the man behind all the cameras. He's the guy that directs everything. He's a multi-camera director, producer. He's done all sorts of sports, films. He's produced, he's directed. Reese, I'm so glad you've come on. Thanks very much for joining us on the Tuesday Club. Hey, no problem, Sean. It's a pleasure. The link is fantastic because uh, you and I have worked together for years now on BBC Wales, Scrum 5, we've done a bit for Premier Sport and Sunset and Vine, BT Sport, and you do all of that with the rugby, but you do other sports that we're going to get into as well. But more recently, you've been out directing on the rugby over in the United States, haven't you? So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it's been a great experience, Sean. You know, um, about well, probably two years ago now, um, I, I was contacted uh, through a mutual friend of ours, actually, Joe Towns, who runs the Cardiff Met Broadcasting course. Um, they were on the lookout for uh, a little bit of, I guess, rugby broadcasting help. Um, they've been doing rugby broadcasting in the US for, for years. It's just what they needed, I suppose, is the kind of experience that you were just talking about on, on domestic rugby in general, you know. Um, so... Uh, to cut a very long story short, I ended up out there uh, two seasons ago, uh, which was season two for MLR. Um, and obviously going into season two, which was the one that was cut short um, this season, just gone, unfortunately. But, um, you know, that that's basically how it came about. They needed a little bit of help. I was more than happy to, to help out because, I mean, what an experience, you know, the opportunity to, to travel over there um, and, and help hopefully, with something I know a little bit about. Well, what, what, tell us, what's the fundamental differences then? You know, we do Scrum 5, you and I, which is a, a household show in Wales, in the UK. We know what we're doing, we'd like to think. You know, we know each other, and, and rugby's been around forever here in the UK and Wales. But what's the differences when you go out there to Major League Rugby? You know, what have you experienced? You know, it, it, the differences in terms of, like, the technical production side of it, are, uh, they're not great because obviously um, sports broadcast-wise, the Americans are up there with the best in the world, and um, and so from a from a technical point of view, it's very similar, albeit with less cameras. It's not quite the sort of specification that we would be used to to doing on on a like say a Friday night game for for the Pro 14 um, or or a Six Nations game, um, you know, where you could have anything up to 20, 22 cameras. So 
there's a slight difference in that respect. There's a slight difference in terminology. <laughs> Just yeah. out a few times. Um, but in terms of the, you know, if you like the, the, the fundamental sort of technical aspects are exactly the same, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and they work in, in, a, in a very similar way to us. Uh, Kyle, you you obviously been out in America. You're filming a, a pretty much an American fan based show. Uh, do you see any differences when you're filming? Um, well, to be honest, with you, the only difference that that I can see is the commentary. Um, I don't know, Reese, uh, you know who who you have over there commentating on the games. But I remember watching that Island v All Blacks game in Chicago, and I had to mute. I, I'm sorry to any commentators, American commentators that jumped across the rugby, but I think they've just gone, oh my God, we're playing this big rugby union game international in Chicago. Quick, just get some NFL guys in. Um, because one of them actually called Ireland's try a touchdown. And at that point, I needed to mute it. So um, There yeah. goes Marnonu, and he's into the end <laughs> That's what it was, Brian O'Driscoll. Um, and I was just like, <laughs> gee. And you know, Ireland, Ireland smashed them, didn't they? They beat them like 42 points to 20 or something, whatever it was. But... That was one difference as as a rugby fan. Obviously, I'm I'm you. My my home of rugby is the BBC, right? Nobody does rugby for me like the BBC. Whether it's you know those Friday night games that they used to have with with our regions, I used to come home on Friday night from work and look forward to sitting down and watching a game. And then you know, especially the Six Nations, nobody does the Six Nations like the BBC. So for me, it's very much. Um, oh, What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, I'm waffling. But anyway, do you think there's some sort of, well, do they have any sort of people from here coming over to like, sort of teach them or, I don't know. It's interesting you say that, Kyle, because actually the, the guys who work on MLR Domestic are out-and-out out rugby guys. They're right. ex-players by and large, one of which is actually Mark Shabina. Oh, him. right, yeah. And uh, obviously played for the Blues, the Dragons, spent time over here. Um, but they're actually, they're all rugby guys. Um, I think what you're alluding to is quite a common thing in the US in that if a sport is put on the network, as they call it, so with us it was CBS and it ha yeah. actually happened in, in season two, what they would do is because it goes on to the network, they would use one of their, I guess, sportscasters, you know, their their main talent, as they like to yeah. call them. You'd look that, Sean, you're all called talent over there. So, <laughs> they, um, so, so what you might end up with is an extremely experienced NFL commentator commentating on rugby because bottom line is he is the voice of sport on yeah. that channel. So that would explain it. I mean, we, we're lucky, as I said, there's a load of rugby guys involved with, with our product, which is great. Um, and in terms of getting people over there, um, as I said, you know, thankfully I've been asked to do a little bit on the technical side and, and a producer called Jeremy Mann, who used to work for Sky, came over with me um, again just to help, I guess, from the editorial point of view, um, you know. And what we found was that the, the commentary teams that we work with, they had a, a lovely blend of <laughs> that amazing American animated kind of, you know, enthusiasm Um Coupled with rugby knowledge, thankfully. So, okay. yeah, it's it's great in that sense. I'm actually gutted you said that, Reese, because after the podcast, I was going to tap you up for a job. I was thinking, <laughs> they must need a housewife's favourite analyst. <laughs> like, you know, they must do. Like, well, we'll talk offline they, anyway. Sean, but, Sean, but, Sean but, I don't know if you know this. They've, they've, they've already got a housewife's favourite in America. His name's Sam Hewan. 
Yeah, well, they've got a few out there, <laughs> they? let's be fair. But um, let's talk a little bit about the rugby, because uh, Kyle, like you, Reese is a massive rugby netter. He loves his rugby. And, um, you know, there's some big names that have gone over there. You know, uh, you, you, people, our listeners would, would know Bastereau, Matthew Bastereau, the, the big French centre. I think Ben Foden, the England fullback, is out there. That's just a name one or two. Can you give us an idea of who else is there? Yeah, well, Nonu obviously started um, this season. I mean, huge signing, man, Nonu. You know, and he, he was still outstanding in the early season. You know, he really made a difference to a to a very good San Diego team. And of course, the beast straight off the back of the World Cup. Of course. You know, and I was trying to explain over there to, to maybe the people who aren't as au fait with the sport, is that, you know, this is the equivalent of a guy who's just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, coming over to play for, you know, a, a local team, essentially. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the Beast was another big sign. And, of course, Chris Robshaw um, of late has signed again for San Diego. So, has he? you know, a, a, another big, big yeah. signing, you know. And, and I think that's what's great about it is, you know, what, you, what you're getting now is because they've just started the collegiate draft, which is the American style of doing things, very similar to the NFL, the youngsters are taken care of and obviously homegrown talent, which is vitally important for their game. And then you combine that with, you know, the non-news of this world, world-class players, um, you know, and that's where the improvement is going to be. You know, whether Chris Robshaw and guys like that have got a, an ambition going to coaching afterwards, again, perfect opportunity for them. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, the other thing you mentioned, San Diego, there, it just spins around in my head. It's a far cry from going down to Flandarcy in the Liberty Stadium, isn't it? Because recently <laughs> you've had uh, you've had Las Vegas bid for a franchise, and then more recently, and I think somebody like John Afoa and those sort of guys are behind the Hawaiian project. Is that right? That's right. And they, they it's, you know, it's looking good. I think they put a, a bid in. They'd, they'd like to make it up to a 14-team league, including this Hawaiian team, which is John Afoa, Rocco Thoko, Jerome Kaino. They're all involved in the ownership group. So, you know, uh, they've got ambitions to have, a, you know, the first ever kind of Maori and Polynesian team playing out there, which is phenomenal. So... <sighs> Hey, you know, as you can imagine, Sean, I've insisted on a site visit. Yeah. <laughs> well, have a look at the setup. I'm just going to finish off my CV uh, now, Riso. And, um, but yeah, it does. It's, it's great, though, isn't it? You know, because I think, you know, people in my friendship group, all my mates who played rugby around my age, or if you've been to America and watched American sport, like Kyle's a, a big American sport fan, and we all say, don't we, can you imagine? if America ever got it together, you know, yeah. the number of athletes. I was fortunate to coach Wales in 2009, Reese. remember? And we played the US um, out in Chicago, you know. My goodness, I'm thinking, I'm in Chicago, you international rugby. It doesn't get any better than this, you know. And they had some Polynesian sort of um, heritage-type players already coming through then. And you look what's happening in the sevens with the, with the US team. The, the potential is massive. It is. Yeah, absolutely. And and you hit the nail on the head, you know, in terms of the athlete base there, you know, and, and people have often said, you know, uh, I guess, you know, football, not so much rejects because there's lots of different levels they can play at out there. But, you know, I guess NFL rejects absolutely is such a tough league to get into. You know, athletes wise, they've got an abundance and I've seen it a lot in, in a lot of the teams, ex-military guys, ex-college athletes. 
and I mean, they're all, you know, they start at six foot five and go up. Yeah. And, they, you know, they're, they're quick, nimble. Uh, generally, the standard of rugby is high. Yeah. Um, so you're right. It's frightening what they could achieve. It's, yeah. I think as well, it's because America is such a young country in, in you know, regards to all the other countries in the world, like Europe and Britain. We've all got massive histories. And obviously, America was founded in, in you know, the 1600s, was it? Or the... F- late 1500s, early 1600s. So they, they haven't got as much of a history. And I know rugby doesn't go back to the 1600s, but when you think of how far it does go back to the, the late 1800s, whatever, there is that history and the, the way our, you know, the Northern Hemisphere and Southern Hemisphere, the way we play the game. Cultured, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, I've always said, like you just said, Sean, if the size of America, the money they've got, they're the most powerful country in the world, if they had put all the time and effort and money as they do into the top three over there, NFL, ba- uh, basketball, baseball, they, they'd they be challenging for the World Cup every four years. It'd be yeah. them, New Zealand, and, you know, and one other team that pops up every yeah. couple of years. Wales, yeah, Wales. I think yeah. they'd be challenging New Zealand to be, you know, the, the one team that is never beat just because of the wealth of... Like you said, the athletes they've got, and well, you know, all the sorts of things they could do. I just well, think it's incredible. Let's let's hope so because um, I I got I think I'm not sure. I know Russia have come in this week and saying we're putting a bid in for whenever it is. Uh, can't work work it out now. It'll be twenty twenty something. But I I think America are in the running for a World Cup as well recently. They are, yeah. I think you know um, what would it be? I guess it would be maybe two World Cups. 27. Yeah, um, and, and they, they would certainly be in the mix. I mean, what an incredible place to hold a World Cup. Yeah. And I think from a from a world rugby perspective, I'd imagine they would love it to go to, a, you know, to go there. And as, as you pointed out, you know, the, the, the money side of it, or I guess that the backing that they've had in the sevens has proven that they can compete. I mean, they are in the top two or three in the world. So, so yeah. you're right, Kyle. You know, when you say if they made that commitment financially... Yeah. Um, the sky's the limit for that. As long as they know, have the World know, Cup and the West Coast, though, so we can all have a nice holiday on the beaches. They love it everywhere, and that's the thing. See, with sevens, and Reese will know this, Kyle. That there's an Olympics. Unfortunately, you know, COVID's a, a spoiler. Now, Olympics will come up now, a reorganised one. Can you imagine, right, what it would do for US rugby, the viewing public, the fan base, the kids, if they won a gold medal or reached the final, the gold medal final, if you like, of the sevens in the Olympics. It would just take, I think it did it for women's soccer, didn't it, uh, in the US. So if there's parallels there, look out. Now, uh, Reese, I want to move on to your job because, Kyle, you've seen Star Trek, haven't you? Yep. Captain Kirk? Yep. Man, that, there's Captain Kirk there, right? <laughs> Honestly. You, you just mentioned 22 cameras there. You, you go, I, I go into the truck right, where Reese is before the game when we're working together. And I'm just about to go pitch side, just a bit of a briefing with the producer and so on. He's got so many screens, so many buttons, right? So many people around him. Okay? It, it's unbelievable. And then, because I get to hear him as well. He's always one step ahead because he's got to move the camera, guys. Or he's got to tell where to go next. So he's going, camera one, right? Uh, I'm going to go to camera three, standby camera three. So he knows where he's going next before this happened. <laughs> and he's probably three or four ahead of me anyway. It's unbelievable, Reese. I mean, how do you do it? How do you learn that? 
Well, thanks, Sean, for making it sound far more complex than it actually is. <laughs> um, no, it, yeah, the, the, the bottom line is like any job, isn't it? It's experience. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, with, with regards to even what we're doing in the States, when you strip it back, fundamentally rugby coverage is three cameras and you build on top of that. So, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to grow up in the BBC you know, with a proud kind of rugby broadcasting background, uh, opportunities to do lots of games, three cameras and upwards. And by the time you get to the point where you're doing international games with 20 plus, um, you, you rely on, if you like, you know, the, the things that you know about, if you like, fundamental coverage. 90% of the time, you're only ever going to use, you know, three, four, maybe five cameras for live coverage and then the additional stuff is replays yeah. or you know extra bits and pieces so you know as i said it, it's kind of experience allows you to do that and and as as you pointed out it's about communication oh man i was just thinking there now it's almost like it's almost like reese would have under his control a rugby squad right a rug, in various trucks and pitch side and you know, presenters, pundits, you know, but he can communicate to all of them because we're all listening to him. It's unbelievable. You know, I, I was thinking, imagine I was coach for a rugby team and I could talk to every one of them during the game. It would be amazing. <laughs> We'd never lose. It would be fantastic. The voice inside their head, Sean, you'd be... <laughs> yeah, oh, God, yeah, like the quarterback. You know, i got to give you some credit. Go on, Reece. Sorry, mate, go on. Well, all I was going to say is, what, what Sean's not telling you is, most of them are more than happy to turn me off or turn me down. <laughs> I don't. I love it. I enjoy it. Like, I, I think we, we've we mentioned this before. I can't remember who it was uh, that was on with us, but I have to give credit to you, though, Sean, and, and the other pundits and everything, because to chat, you know, whilst I know, Reese, you probably don't directly speak in there while they are talking, but sometimes I suppose that does happen and there's crossovers or whatever. So to be able to be live on TV and chat with fellow pundits and while there's people like, right, Sean, say this or, you know, whatever the directions are, I think that's pretty good because I've, I've said it before, but I don't mind repeating myself because you've been doing a lot lately as well, Sean. Um, that thing with James Haskell and um, Will Greenwood where James Haskell just couldn't speak because there was something going on in this year and then there was interference in this year and he ended up having lots of text messages after the interview. Yeah. And it, people it, it saying, is disconcerting. It, it does take a bit of getting used to. Uh, yeah, and Sean, you know, uh, seeing that you're, you're handing the uh, compliments out, you know, Kyle, you, you rightly pointed out, Sean's one of the best, uh, makes it look easy. You know, the way these boys uh, and girls, you know, manage that kind of whole talkback system of listening to the production and talking at the same time and taking kind of, if you like, information on board as well, Um that's really it in a nutshell. Mm. It's the discipline, isn't it, Sean? You know, we, it is. we we talk about the kind of the, the stuff that we all expect of one another. It's just the discipline of managing what yeah. you say and when, and try and keep <laughs> yeah. you know listening at the same time and, and, it, it, and make it, it all come together. There's more teamwork than people take credit for. I I'd like to think we are team players. You know, Reese has to be, of course. But it's um, I I got it pretty early in my uh, broadcasting career, I got the understanding that if you're commentating, there's a first voice, a second voice, and a third voice, and there are some, there's some set rules. They're unwritten rules, recent day, but they, you know, you don't talk over the first guy when there's something exciting happening, a drama, a try's been scored or whatever. You don't go over into him 
crossover. And then the third voice, I find it quite hard sometimes that some of the, the guys that come on as third voice, they don't understand those those laws. You know? And then time in TV is so precious. So I used to do this truck thing in the truck. And, and recently guys would give me like, I don't know, I'd have some like 14 seconds, Kyle, right? And I'm thinking, I'm a rugby coach. I can't get all my points over in 14 seconds. But you know what? You learn and they count you out. And then before you know it, after a couple of goals and the experience, you nail it on the button, bang, because that picture time, TV time is precious to Reese. He's directing something. He's got to show exactly what he needs to show. And you don't talk over that. You know, you don't overrun. Yeah. You don't go over because you cross into other pictures. And then you don't go under because you don't leave Reese's picture hanging. <laughs> and, you know, that that's that's tough to do. It is. It's bloody tough to do. I think that's a good point to ask you then with the Haskell thing, Kyle. Reese, what's the what's the funniest thing or the most nerve-wracking thing that's ever happened on, on a live broadcast? Say doing a, oh, it could be anything, rugby, tennis, anything. Yeah, you know, it, quite often... What, what tends to happen, the things that catch you out, and you say, you know, talking over pictures, for us is always, you know, duff cuts and things like that. And you cut up, <laughs> you cut, and sometimes, you know, you might not be aware that you've cut up the shot to some fella in the crowd or something and you thought you're on something else. Or, you know, there's been a few um, embarrassing ones. One, one story which I cannot repeat, which happened at Sardis Road, it wasn't actually me directing that day, but that was unforgettable. Um, I'll have to tell you off camera, but... <laughs> Generally speaking, yeah, they, they're kind of, I guess they're mistakes, you know, yeah. things things that you do where you, with the best intention, you you, you know, you're, you're trying to think ahead. As you said, you're trying to stay one step ahead and you end up completely messing it up by choosing completely the wrong thing. And I, you know, I think, you know, over, over the years, there's been so many of them, I've lost count. And what yeah. you've got to do is hope the people at home don't note this. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, as I said, that's part of it, I guess, yeah. isn't it? You know, we, it we beat ourselves up about it. You know, yeah, we, we do, we do. I, I remember, you know, you, you make a mistake, and I, I'd get home and say to the to, to the wife, and she said, "What mistake?" <laughs> I know it was obvious to me and to us, you know. But as you say, as long as they don't get it, I suppose. It's when floodlights go off, you know. Can I imagine that floodlights go off in a live game or? The, that the, often, it? it happens yeah. often that the uh, start is delayed, or we lose pictures or something. You got to fill. That that's the tough thing, I suppose. So so yeah. so, I mean, what's it going to be like? You've had all the bells and whistles and international rugby, twenty-two cameras, all that. What's it going to be like now coming back in August? Yeah, we're well, we going to have no crowds. I know it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Although I suppose you know with the sports that have just restarted and you know football being a great example. I mean, you know, Super Rugby's been lucky enough to have the crowds, but yeah. with you know with the football, they've done a great job. I think of you know managing kind of stadium sound and. You know, I think we're so used to watching, you know, live or highlights of, of sporting events. As long as we've got that that sound there, I don't think there'll be a massive difference. It'll be a bit strange for, you know, those of us who are lucky enough to be involved on a production. Um, so, yeah, it is going to be interesting. You know, I, I, I wonder, too, whether there'll be crowds for the bigger international games, you know, at some of the bigger stadiums. I think maybe that'll be uh, an interesting one as well. I yeah, had to, I had to laugh. Big fancy, mate. You, you're mentioning the 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 recordings of the crowds they're playing. I, the first time I seen it was with one of the um, the Australian rugby games, and I just thought they got it entirely wrong first. And I watched snooker, snooker, snooker. Well, I don't know. I'm from Batalba, so I call it snooker. Um, and it was um, La- Liang and Robertson, I think, were playing yesterday. 
and they did the same thing. And I don't know if they can, if the the players can hear it as well. But um, he he made a shot, and it was it was a good shot, but it wasn't like a whoa. And then they played a, an audio of the crowd, and they went oh, and he was clapping. Type of thing. It was just like an average. Shot, and it was just it? like so dramatic, and it was just like you know he just potted a red and laid himself on for the black type of thing. So. But no, it is good. And like, do, do the players actually, uh, can they hear it as well? Is it in the stadium or is it just for the audience watching at home? I think it's just the audience, is it? Really? I, well, yeah, I, it's a tip. I, I'd imagine it is. I, I'd imagine that it's the broadcast team who have pushed that into their sound mix, for want of a better word, mm. because they manage it very well, you know, with, with goals and reactions. Yeah, yeah they've done uh, well, yeah. It may well be played there, you know, just to give... Give them a feeling of, uh, you know, of having that atmosphere as well. Yeah, um, I've done it. I've done it as a coach. You know, going into a big game, we've had like a team run, and I've asked the media people to push through the tar noise, crowd load, crowd noise. It's, it can be done, you know. Yeah. And whether they get the oohs and ahs, I don't know. But um, and all the people in yeah. the crowd, the cardboard cutouts. <laughs> so you, I, know. I just thought that would distract players, and they've got like famous people in there. I'm sure somebody put um, Dominic. Uh, what's his name? You know, the guy who went to the castle that was supposed to be isolating or whatever. Oh, right, yeah, did he? Yeah, I'm sure somebody put, put, put him in the crowd or something and then they showed uh, him on a live game. Anyway. Reese, um, like you're, a, you're a big rugby fan. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you with, with Kyle, because imagine putting Kyle in the production because he's like Wales' number one fan. Um, how do you keep yourself impartial when you are working on Let's just say a Wales game, or for argument's sake, a Cardiff Blues game. Bear in mind, I've been on the other end. How do you keep yourself there? Do you know what? I I genuinely find it harder with a Blues game than I do with, with Wales. You know, we obviously um, in in Dublin this year. Um, you know, the the Wales game, and you know, as a production crew, we're always. To, you know, and there's a lot, a lot of Irish guys involved with our production on the Six Nations, so they're always going, "Oh, how is, how is he going to keep a lid on it today?" And all the rest. Of it. But <laughs> I don't find it with Wales. I, I don't know what it is. Whether it's just the fact that it's the Six Nations, a big, big occasion, being impartial and trying to be highly professional is part of that setup. Maybe I don't know, but I, I don't find that difficult with the Blues. It's impossible. And I was lucky enough um, to do the. Um, the European final in Bilbao when the Blues won. And we <laughs> still mention it now. Um, when Thomas Williams scores early in the second half, well, I, I just lost the plot completely. So, uh, and then by the time by the time Blaine Scully had scored and Gareth Anscombe, you know, kicked us to victory, I, I was just, I was basically like a fan working on the telly. I, I missed that, to be honest, because like I said, Kelly, I can hear him and it's like, uh, right, uh, go to three, go to three, come on, boys, uh, back to five, five, six, and coming to you, six, coming to you. Oh, he's nearly done it. Oh, come on, oh, referee. The ref has arm in as well from Reese. <laughs> uh, Reese, if it's not rugby, because I know you do other sports as well, you've um, particularly Wimbledon, what, what's yeah. your favourite one to, to do? Oh, Wimbledon's brilliant. I mean, you know, again, through the BBC, you know, background of the BBC, fortunate enough to get involved um, with it. And and um, what an occasion, you know, and such an amazing sporting event. Um, and I think, you know, for me, the, 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 probably the, the most amazing thing is, you know, yes, getting the opportunity to direct on centre court, you know, a, a, you know, a quarter final or a semi-final or, you know, 
just being there and being a part of that production is is good enough in itself. But growing up in an era with the Mac and Rose and the Beckers, yeah. it's meeting them, you know, um, or working with them. You know, they might be on the other end of the headset, oh, good even though they're not listening to me properly. Uh, I'm sure they, they're happy to turn it down. But The Mac, like, speaking to Mac. Oh, so Mac, uh, Mac, can you just pick your voice up a little bit, Mac? You know? yeah. yeah, can you shut up, please? You know, no, I would never, you know... Uh, <laughs> But it, but it is incredible, and and uh, I would say that has, has got to be a highlight. Ah, oh, fantastic, fantastic. Well, mate, look, um, we've talked enough around that. I'm looking forward to seeing you soon, mate, because uh, August, hopefully, now we'll be working together again. Is it is it a bit? We talk a lot to our guests, Reese, about um, watching TV. You know, uh, we work in TV, but we I still like to watch the rugby and that, but. Have you, during lockdown, been able to kick back? Is it a bit of a busman's holiday, or have you been looking at some box sets and films? What have you been doing? Yeah, it, it is a little bit, Sean. I mean, obviously, as I mentioned, you know, super rugby and stuff like that, you, you know, you, it, it's brilliant, and I love watching it. But, but, you know, I'll watch any rugby when it's on. Sometimes you get quite opinionated about coverage for obvious reasons. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. I don't watch an awful lot of telly, but... We, as a family, got into Game of Thrones for the first time. Yeah. In lockdown? Oh, in lockdown. So we did the whole lot. I mean, you can imagine. Night what a great night. thing to do in lockdown. Brilliant. We did it start to finish, and it was great. So that, you know, a good box set. Uh, we're watching Better Call Saul at the moment. Watched Breaking Bad a couple of years ago. So, you know, we're a bit behind on that. So, yeah, love, love a box set. Fantastic. What about films, mate? Um yeah, love them. Kyle, Kyle's a massive film. He, he, he'll rattle off 10 he's watched already this week, probably. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. And, and Kyle, before long, you'll be you'll be heading up the Hollywood uh, MLR team anyway, won't you? So <laughs> Yeah, if I got the money in the bank, definitely. <laughs> I, can I just go back on the rugby uh, and the MLR? Because I haven't really looked or seen anything much of it over here. But what? how many teams are there at the minute and what are they? The 12 teams at the moment, um, I, just to give you an idea, of, I, I've, I've had to write them down to make sure that I don't leave any out, but um, they're all based in, in you know great cities all over the States, Austin, Dallas, uh, and Houston, um, you know, all Texan teams, uh, New England, New Orleans, Washington, D.C., Atlanta, New York, San Diego, Seattle, Toronto, and Utah. And obviously we mentioned there's a team in L.A., um, and now in Hawaii that are sort of proposed to start in 2021. So, you know, I mean, talk about nationwide, yeah. you know, and some incredible cities. And that that's, uh, you know, again, one of the great experiences of being part of it is just getting a chance to travel to all these places. Uh, which one I Which one do I follow? Which one, which was the best team? Who do I support you now? Well, <laughs> Seattle are back-to-back champions. Yeah. There we are. So that's um, it. Seattle it is. What a city. Go Seahawks! <laughs> and, and, yeah, and to be fair, you know they they sell out every single week. You know they, uh, they they've got a, a kind of five to six thousand capacity uh, stadium, which they share with the Seattle Sounders football team. It's their training facility. Uh, they sell it out every other week. See, um, that's great, and, isn't it? You know they they're a, you know they've got a great fan base. They're probably their their biggest rivals are San Diego, who went close um, last year. Um, in, in the final, 
uh, and they obviously started this season particularly strongly and they they beat them in the final last year i think the first final was seattle against glendale and glendale uh, colorado glendale unfortunately have, have actually left the league now um, but they were a particularly strong outfit but to be fair you know what kyle honestly from week to week anybody can beat anybody yeah. you know they're high scoring extremely entertaining games of rugby um and you know that's what i love about it you know it's um it, it's almost like a kind of throwback to a bygone era in a sense in that they'll just try and score as many tries as they can and entertain the crowd yeah um, and, it, and it's great that's the rugby we all like the, to watch the, yeah the question i get asked the most at the moment is well, when when you're going to go back into coaching and i i'm quite happy what i'm doing but I, <sighs> It'd have to be something that really interests me. This it does really interest me. I got to be honest. You know, it, it, the brand of rugby, the idea, the country and the cities, the outlook of the people, something fresh and new. The broadcast, I'd imagine, this fresh and new. Reason. It's an attractive proposition. Now, you know, you look at Manonu and the Beast and and all yeah. those going over. Others will follow definitely. I, you know, the Americans got a really positive, you know, can-do mentality to everything. Um, and it's infectious. So, you know, with the rugby, you know, they really want to make it work. Everybody's, you know, and of course, because of the way they design their their sport in leagues, um, you know, their their ownership groups, but they're all buying into, you know, that one big thing. So the big picture, everyone's buying into it, you know. Yeah. They're all competitive, obviously, but um, there's a real positive mindset out there. That sounds fantastic. And let's hope we get to see some of it, Kylie. Talking about you going back into coaching, and I haven't just made this up on the spot. This is absolutely genuine, honest to God truth. And it's just reminded me because you've said that there. I woke up this morning and I had the weirdest dream ever, right? And the first thing I did when I woke up, I turned to Amy, my, my fiance. I said, I've just had the strangest dream. And I told her part of it, but part of it, Sean, was you were a teacher and you were my teacher. I was in school. And when we left, we were still mates. I mean, you called me into the office and we were chatting and you started, you getting upset because you, they asked you to go back to coach the Cardiff Blues. Honest to God, I'm not making this up. <laughs> and you was crying to me and I was like, go on, it's all right, you can do it and all the rest of it. And then you were just like, I can't, I do And then you were like, I'm going to do it. Like, But I swear to God, that was my dream. There was, there was another section after that, which you weren't involved in. Um, but I, honest to God, uh, that was part oh. of my dream this morning. That you, you were going don't, back to don't coach. Don't tell John Manover Hill. No, no, <laughs> that's that's not happening. That's the, I mean, on the phone. Don't worry, John. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Fake news. Reese, before we go, what if there was one sporting event or one occasion? Because you've done a lot of political. We haven't even touched on the general elections and things like that. If there's one occasion, one event that you haven't done that you could direct and multi-camera, loads of stuff in, you know, throwing a huge budget at it, which would it be? Do you know what it, it would be? It would be the Pipe Masters in Hawaii, which is the surfing grand final. Oh, wow. Surfing league, without a shadow of a doubt. That would be the ultimate gig to go and do, not, not only because of where it is, but what it is. And can you imagine having a, you know, a big television production kind oh. of hit and, loads of different cameras and everything else i just think it's the perfect um you know venue and uh and location for it you know so it, yeah. would, it would definitely be that sean Bartez in the in the water with a gopro <laughs> yeah exactly he'd love that that's one of our cameramen yeah but oh that would be amazing yeah and then we could all go and watch the rugby the next day with john O'Fower and uh, jerome kano 
Job, job. Fantastic. <laughs> Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Reese. It's great to see you looking so well. Um, your family well? All good? Everybody's good, thank you, yeah. Mum and dad all right? Yeah, they're on good form, yeah. Well, they're TV stars yeah. as it is as well, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> I'm fed up of seeing them now. <laughs> for, no, for, our, for our listeners who don't know, um, Reese's mum and dad, Reese's dad is obviously the legendary Sir Gareth Edwards, but he's had a, him and his mum have had a TV show on... Um, and because uh, they were going on the Nice Canal the one night, watched it was brilliant. <laughs> Honestly, it was fantastic. It was so natural. Fair play. I was with your okay. mum and dad the other day. Uh, we all did the walk for Prostate Cymru, oh, oh, and I yeah. think they brought along your dog. Was it your dog? Yeah, yeah. my dog. Yeah. Will, yeah. And me and Scott yeah. Cornell were there having a pint, and then not some, someone was licking my you, and I was like, I haven't got lucky in broad daylight tonight. <laughs> and I turned around, and it was your dog. But yeah, beautiful dog, and yeah, um, mum and dad were great. So yeah, top form. Well, Risa, look forward to catching up with you in August at the Pro 14 stuff. Mate, thanks so much for coming on the Tuesday Club. Look after yourself. Stay safe, eh? Good, boys. Thanks, Reese. All the best.